Last Sunday, I started a sermon series on dangerous prayers. I talked last week about the idea of you praying and me praying, God, search my heart. Help me to understand who I really am. Help me to understand the things that I'm good at, the things that I struggle with. Help me to understand what I need to change in my life to become the man or woman that you called me to be. Today, we're going to talk about a different prayer, but it builds on last week's message. Today, the message emphasis is, God, I am asking you to break me, to break me. Now, that's not a fun topic when many of us think about it. God, I want you to break me. Because when we think of being broken, that's not normally a positive thing. Just shatter me, God. Break me down. Yesterday, while preparing myself for the ball game tomorrow night, I was watching a little television, and the players from Georgia and Alabama were talking about, you know, they were answering questions. Well, Georgia's quarterback, Stetson Bennett, was one of the players that, that was interviewed. And for, for those of you who know, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, little, I'm a little obsessive Georgia fan. I'm, I mean, I'm wearing black pants a Georgia shirt and a black undershirt, and Rhonda even gave me a wristband that's got the Georgia logo on it. I, if I'd wore a hat, it would have been all complete. So to those of you who aren't Georgia fans, I don't apologize for that. But for those of you that are Alabama fans, I mean, I just, you know, we bow before the great Saban um, and the Death Star that awaits Georgia tomorrow night. But anyway, and for the rest of you players and fans, I, I love you. Um, but as I listen to Stetson Bennett, now let me just give you a little history on me and Stetson. I've never met Stetson Bennett. I'm, I was not on the, the Stetson Bennett choo-choo train. I was a JT Daniels man. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, they're both quarterbacks for Georgia. But the Stetson Bennett story has fascinated me because he grew up in Blackshire, Georgia. He grew up a lifelong Bulldog fan. He was a football player and as a kid and through high school. He went to Georgia to play. He didn't earn a scholarship. He was a walk-on. And that means, basically, he had to pay his own tuition. He eventually left after one year and went and played junior college football. But they begged him, the staff at Georgia begged him to come back. He did. And he was always second string, third string. That was who he was. But this was a kid that said, I'm going to fight, and I'm going to show the world that I can actually play football, and I can play it better than anybody else. And as this year went on, I was one of those Georgia fans that said, where's JT? Where's JT? Where's JT? Where's JT? Why doesn't JT play? Now I've got to change my tune just a little bit. Because as I listened to his interview yesterday, JT, not JT, but Stetson Minutes interview, he shared something that really resonates with the idea of us pr praying a prayer, God, break me. Now, this is basically what he said. He said, I'm grateful to my parents who raised me to become the person that I am. And he mentioned and talked a little bit about his faith in Christ. And then he said this. He said, I heard all of the chatter of what everybody was saying about me. You're a walk-on. 
You're not five star. You're not that good. You'll never be that good. You can't beat Alabama. You've never beaten Alabama. He said, I heard all of that, and I had to deal with it. So you know what he did? He got rid of Facebook, Twitter. He, he turned his iPhone off. He said, I went to Verizon, and I bought a flip phone. And he said, and all I do is answer my calls, make calls, and send a few text messages. I don't look and listen to all of the negativity out there. I don't even listen to the positive things out there. I've just got to be me. Now, I thought about what he said, and I thought about this message today, and I thought about my life, and I hope you'll think about your life as we look at this story from Mark 14 in just a few minutes. Here's the question I want you to think, as I believe Stetson Bennett did. He had to say, God, I need to become broken. Not so that my coach can fix me. Not so that some fan I've never met can fix me. But I've got to be broken so that I can become the person you want me to be. Isn't that interesting? Now, I don't know who's going to win the game tomorrow night. I have... I have my suspicions, but that doesn't really matter because I'm not going to be on the field playing, and it's a good thing I'm not because if I walked out there against some of those behemoth men, they would be carrying me off in a stretcher in about, you know, the first play. I mean, I'd be a pancake on the field going, help me. So, so they're going to play the game. I'm going to watch as much as I can, and I'm going to root for my, my bulldogs, and if they win, great. If they don't, great because... I mean, I was born a bulldog, and I'll die a bulldog. And so with all of that said, here, here's what I want you to think about today. What in, God, what in your life does God need to break you of? What does God need to break in you? Because we all have something that we need to be broken from in order to become what God wants us to become. And that begins with what I said last week. God, search me. And know me. And when you pray, God, search me, know me, reveal to me what's in my life that should not be in my life. So you can break me. Break me. For those of you that were in the military and you went to boot camp, you got broken. There, there are some places where we go and the purpose of the experience, the is to become broken. But not many of us want to do that. You know, some of us have pride. Some of us are just stubborn. I mean, I could raise my hand to that. Ask Rhonda if I'm stubborn. She has at times told me, you have become a stubborn old man. To which I respond, I'm not old. I'm not that old. I mean, I'm not as young as some of you, but anyway. But I'm stubborn at times. I may be a little, you know, what I am at times. But, but here's what I want you to think. For many of us, we pray these predictable, safe prayers. And when I say predictable, I mean we pray the same boring prayer day in, day out. 
And we rarely ask this, God, search my heart. Search me and, and break me. Break me. And that's not an easy thing to pray. Some of us have some sins that we have never really dealt with. And we need to become broken over that sinful behavior. So in Mark's gospel, we read a story about a woman named Mary. Now Mark doesn't name her, but her name is Mary. And this is just a day or two before Jesus is betrayed and before he goes to the cross. So this is the last week of his life here on this earth before his crucifixion. And as he is reclining at this table, eating a meal with someone, an incredible event happens. Let's look at it now. Mark 14, beginning in verse number 3. This is what we read. While he, Jesus, was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard, she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why waste this perfume? It, it could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Now think about those few words in this story. Now I have found it interesting and, and really fascinating as I've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John and, and read stories about Jesus. And this isn't the only time something like this or something similar like this has happened where Jesus was in a home teaching or having a meal or both, and someone from the outside comes in and seems to disrupt the party. That would never happen in our world, probably. I mean, can you imagine you're at your family home, you're enjoying a meal and a fellowship or whatever it is you're doing with your family, and then someone uninvited comes in and crashes the party. That's not normal, is it? Well, here they are. They're in this home of a guy named Simon the leper, and Mary comes in. Nothing is said of what she said. She may not have uttered a single word. But it wasn't what she may or may not have said that was important, but rather it's what she did. She came in with a jar of very expensive perfume. You know what? We read it. The worth, the value of that perfume was a year's wages. I can guarantee you in the Braswell household, there is no perfume or no cologne that is, is, is the equivalent of a year's worth of wages. I mean, we don't have that in our house. It doesn't exist. I can't even wrap my head around a perfume that costs that much money. That's a lot of money 
and she brought it in knowing what she was going to do. She poured it on his head, his feet. Symbolically, she was saying, now she didn't really know this. Jesus just interpreted her heart. He knew he was going to a cross. He said, she's anointing and preparing me for my upcoming death and burial. She has given a beautiful gift to me. Here's what I want you to see beyond anything else. Mary took this very expensive perfume and she broke it open. And in in this moment of time, this night, she poured every single drop of it onto Jesus. Again, think about what it cost. It wasn't $5, you know, DG perfume. It wasn't that at all. It wasn't some little sample that was worth 30 or 40 bucks. When I said a sample, it wasn't a $30, $40 little bottle. It was a year's wages worth. She broke it open and poured it all out in one moment. Now, that's, that's extravagant, isn't it? To me, that's beyond extravagant. I, if I had been there, I would have been one of those saying, what a waste of money. What a waste. What have you done? I would have been in that group. I'm pretty sure most of us, if not most, many of us would have been in that group. Why did you just waste that? We, we look at certain things and we just say that was just an absolute waste of time or a waste of energy or a waste of resources. But Mary, Jesus looked at what she did and she, he said, what a gift you have given to me. It was because of this incident If you read into the chapter, it was because of this incident. And Judas may have been one of the primary persons who criticized this woman, Mary, so heavily. Because after this moment, after this meal, Judas left and found the high priest and said, I will betray him. And they agreed upon a price of 30 pieces of silver. Which, by the way, was nowhere near a year's worth of wages. It was the price of a common slave. He just said, you know what? Jesus has lost his ever-loving mind. I don't understand. I'm going to betray him. And he said, I will betray him. And I will, when, when the moment's right, I'll give him to you. When you compare what Judas did to what Mary did, They're incomparable. So what does this mean for you? And you may say, "Uh, I'm scratching my head a little bit. There's no praying in here. What does this have to do with prayer? Here's what it has to do with prayer. Before Mary walked into Simon the leper's house to break open this expensive perfume and pour it on the body of Jesus, she had to be broken herself. She had to be willing to empty herself of everything in her life 
to give such an extravagant gift. For, he, for, for, for me and you, here's the deal. You and I both need to pray this prayer. God, search me, know me, and now God, break me of the things I don't want to let go of. Break me, God, of the things that I want to cling to and hold on to that are keeping me from becoming that person you want me to be. We all have those things. We all have those, I'm not letting go of that. Now for Mary, I I don't know what her financial situation looked like. She may have been really wealthy. It's unlikely. She was willing to give something she could have sold to have given even to the poor. But Jesus said, no, 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 that's not the point. So many of us look at other people, and we judge them, don't we? (laughs) We measure them up. We kind of question why they did or said what they did or said. But what what we need to do, if we're really going to become that person God wants us to become, we've got to learn, I can't look to other people. I can't let the outside noise of what others may think of me, whether good or bad, I've got to be more focused on what God thinks of me. You see, God's the only one that really matters. I mean, what I think of you is really meaningless. I mean, what you think of me doesn't really matter. I've shared several through my years of pastoring here baseball umpire stories. There was a moment and a time in my life when I really worried about what people thought of me. Rhonda would be one of the first ones to say, you want everybody to like you. That's, that's true to some extent now. But years ago, it was very true. I wanted, if you didn't like me, if you were upset with me, it bothered me, and I wanted to make sure it was worked out. Maybe I'm just a grumpy old man after all. But, but here's the thing. It, it doesn't really matter what you think of somebody else or what they think of you. What really matters is what does God think of you? Because at the end of the day, when you... When you breathe your last and you stand before your Creator, God's not going to ask you, well, what did so-and-so think about you? Or what did so-and-so believe about you? None of that will matter. All that will matter when you stand before Jesus is this, Jesus, what did you think of me? How did I measure before you? Did I receive you as my Savior and my Lord? Did I turn from my sin? Did I seek to honor you in my life? Did I, did I pray and become the person you really wanted me to become? Or was I more self-focused and self-consumed? Was I more like Judas? Or was I more like Mary? See, that's, that's really all that matters. And that's why we've got to pray some dangerous prayers. God, search me from last week, and this week, God, break me. 
of the things that are holding me back. I think that's why I kind of got on the Stetson Bennett train yesterday. I mean, he could have easily been broken by all of the fan criticism. But you know what he said? I don't care what they think. I don't care. It doesn't matter what the fan thinks. It matters what I think. Taking it 14 steps ahead when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what other people think of you. It only matters what your Creator, Jesus Christ, thinks of you. It's all that matters. Nothing else. And so when you pray, God, break me, you, you're basically praying this. You're saying, God, I don't often know what's best. Now, th th that's probably more for me than anyone else in this room. I, I do know a lot. Y'all know that, don't you? I know a lot. I know a lot of things. I know so many things. It just boggles my mind at times of how much I know. And if people would just listen to me, everything would just flow harmoniously, would it not? Mm. I know that's not true. But there are times I really believe it's true. Because I have a problem. It's called sin. Now, Tom, I, we're looking at you, brother. You're looking at me. I love Tom, by the way. Tom and I are brothers in Christ, but we're also friends in spite of us being on opposite sides of the Georgia football, Georgia Tech thing. You know what? That really doesn't matter at the end of the day, does it, Tom? Okay. All right, Tom. <laughs> you know, it, no. And, and to all of my, how many Alabama fans are, just raise your hands if you're an Alabama. Good night. Put your hands down. No, I'm kidding. See, see, here's the thing. When we are praying, there are a lot of things in this world that just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. At the end of the day, all that really matters is, God, am I becoming the person you want me to become? And so, so God, I am asking you if I'm one of those people like me, who knows best? God, break me of that. Because I don't always know what's best. And that's not easy for some of us. That when we, we know what's best. It's not easy to let go of control. If you're a control freak, it is not easy to let go of control. Why do we control what's going on in our life? Because we think we know how to do it better than anybody else. Because we don't trust other people to do it a different way. We've got to learn, God, break me of this. Because I, I don't need to do it my way. I need to do it your way. Your way. Your way is best. Earlier, Sandra asked me if we were going to... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Curtis asked me if we were going to have an altar call for the game tomorrow night. I went, no. No, we're not going to have an altar call for the game tomorrow night. And this is why our Creator is not interested in tomorrow night's ball game. The outcome. 
God is only interested in the people, in the game, the people watching the game, not the outcome of the game. And by the way, that transcends to baseball and youth sports and everything else. If you're praying for God to let your team win, you're, that's not a dangerous prayer, by the way. That's a selfish prayer. And rather than praying selfish prayers, we should be praying dangerous prayers. God, search my heart and then break me. By the way, Georgia fans ought to be pretty broken by now. Um, unless you're another team. I won't even mention that. But anyway, um, here's, here's why we need to be praying break me. Because we have sin in our life. And our sins range from mild sins, I'm putting that in air quotes, to major sins, big air quotes. Sin can range from any, I mean, just lying, cheating, deception, uh, uh, sexual sins to, uh, I mean, just, just whatever. You fill in your own blank there. You know your sins. Whatever your struggle is, you fill it in. And, and you need to be praying, God, search me and break me from that. Break me from that sin. Pride. Whatever the case. Just, God, break me of that sin. How many of us really pray for that? Yeah, it's been said for many, many years. Preachers have said it. Teachers have said it. Why do we sin? Well, we're created in Adam's body of sin, and we have the old nature, if we're a Christian, of sin, and we have the new nature of Christ, and we struggle, and the devil whispers, and we have temptation, and we give in. At the end of the day, for most of us who sin, sometimes sin's just fun. It feels good. If it's an itch, scratch it, right? No. Please listen, no, don't do that. We, we have to understand that sin robs us of God's best. That's what it does. It, it destroys us. It, it cheats us of what God wants to pour into us. And so we should be praying, God, help me after revealing to me a spirit of brokenness. God, break my heart and change me. And then a part of brokenness also means, oh, this is hard, surrender. The old white flag. It's not in a lot of our DNAs to raise the white flag, is it? Give up, quit, throw in the towel. Some of us are like this. We even grit our teeth when we say it. I will not give up. I will not quit. I will fight until I draw my last breath. Stubbornness, bullheadedness. But when you pray, God, search me and know me so that I can know myself, and then when God reveals that thing, and God then says to you, let me break you. You're going, oh, no, 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 no. 
I, I, I don't want to be broken. Because brokenness, at the end of the day, involves surrender. Surrender. It's not easy for us to surrender. To say, let's just say it a relationship. Some of us are married. Some of us, at times, our spouses, we may have disagreements. I mean, probably nothing major or anything, but, you know, you have a disagreement with your husband or your wife. And when you look at that husband or wife and you're thinking, oh, if you just thought like me, everything would be better. Maybe you're a teenager and you look at your mom or your dad and you kind of think, well, if my mom or dad really knew and thought like I did, instead of telling me they've been there, done that, then they would understand, and I'm going to fight them to the end. Okay, you get the picture, teenager. Sometimes we just need to raise that white flag and say, God, I surrender. God wants us to truly bow before him. That's not easy. Because it's not in our DNA to surrender. When Jesus, after this event, and after Judas had gone to the high priest, after the Lord's Supper, when he started the first Lord's Supper, it was on that night that Judas left. When Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and you know what he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane? He said this prayer, Not my will, but your will be done. God, I want your will to be done in my life. If there's any other way that people's sins could be forgiven other than me going to a cross, and then all of the sins of all of the world of all time are then placed upon my shoulders. If there's any other way we can save people without that happening, let's do it. Wait a minute. That's not what the plan is. That's not your will. So God, may your will be done instead of mine. See, we don't really understand that struggle Jesus had as he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, your will rather than my will. See, we all have a will. We all have our wants. And we've got to learn from Jesus himself. God, help me let go of what I want to receive and do what you want. Break my will. Break my will. Help me surrender. Help me to yield and let it go. Maybe in closing, think about it this way. I was coming home the other day from visiting a hospice patient. And on my way back, I was so ready to get home. It had been one of those long hospice weeks. It was just a long week with a lot of stuff and a lot of emotion. And I just wanted to come home. I was on a two-lane road going up a hill, double yellow line, two cars in front of me, one of them, the lead one, poking. Speed limit was 55. You know how fast that one was going? 45. 
I'm just like, I just want to go home. I want to get home and prop up my feet. But no. When I looked in my rearview mirror and on my bumper was a person in a, a car. And I thought, what is this crazy person about to do? It passed me. As we're going up the hill on the double yellow line, you can't see over the hill. You know what my first thought was? Close the gap. Close the gap and let him die. That was my first thought. Now that lasted for about 1.1 second. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. I admit that was wrong. I backed off because I thought, why should he die at his stupidity and cause all of us to die? So I backed off and gave him the opportunity to get in unless he chose to, you know, try to take them all. He did not. He got in front of me. That's called yielding and surrendering. That's a little thing. As we neared my house, I'm still behind now three cars in front of me with the lead guy still going 45, still wanting to get home when the same car then passed on a curve with another double yellow, both of them. And I thought, dude, it's on you now. Or dudette. I don't know if it was a man or a woman. But see, it's not easy for us to yield, is it? It's not easy for us to give up. It's not easy for us to raise that white flag. But sometimes maybe we should look at it this way. God, I want control. I want to keep control. And we're zooming down the highway of life when Satan basically says, I'm going to throw a wrinkle in your life and I'm going to see how much you really value life and all of this stuff and force you to make a decision. Are you going to surrender and back off and let what you don't want to happen happen? Or are you going to bite the bullet and say, uh-uh, not on my watch. I'm in charge and I'm in control. Whatever happens, happens. Geronimo! We need to learn to surrender. We need to learn to surrender. And when we fail to surrender, we miss out on what God wants to give us.